Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to read verses, yeah, we'll, we'll read verses 14 and 15, and then hold your finger there, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 7, verses 14. Genesis chapter 3, when you get there, say, I have it. Praise the Lord. Um, if you're just logging on to our Facebook Live, share it with your family and friends so they can get the word of the Lord this morning. Genesis chapter 3, um, verse 14. Of course, uh, this is the, the temptation and the fall of man. This is Genesis, uh, the book of the beginnings, a, a wonderful, wonderful book to understand that God is the one that began it all and he will be the one to end it all. Come on, somebody. Uh, so in the beginning, God. It wasn't in the beginning, Muhammad. It wasn't in the beginning, Buddha. It wasn't in the beginning, Sanyan Moon. It was in the beginning, God. Without God, there will be no beginning or end. Come on, somebody. So he created time, so he's not subject to time, right? And so man is subject to time just because timing it and things happen today that we can see, it doesn't mean that, that that's God's timing because I believe God does events. And sometimes man's timing doesn't line up with God's events. Hello, somebody. God said this is going to happen, and you might think that it's going to happen at a certain time, not understanding events. Hello, somebody. So uh, let, let's read a little bit of this awesome book. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust. All the days of your life. And listen, verse 15 is amazing. Matter of fact, this is the first, uh, you can consider this is the first messianic uh, gospel here because it speaks of a coming savior. It, it, it speaks of uh, a messiah that is coming. And it, it says that I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, we know if you do any type of study on this, especially if you go to Galatians chapter 3, I think somewhere around 16, we know that that seed is Christ. Amen, somebody. And so even in the book of Genesis, you get a gospel. Uh, I'm going to break that down in just a second because it's called the first gospel, and we'll learn a little bit more about that in a second. But turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah. Chapter 7. Are you okay this morning? Yes. All right. You can talk to me. It's okay. Isaiah chapter 7. I'm going to read just this one verse, and then we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 9. So it says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Somebody say a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, and, he, and shall call his name Emmanuel. See, God couldn't save us away from us, so he wrapped his word in flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, which means God with us. All right? Turn right. Isaiah 9 and 6. Speaking still of this coming Messiah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now, a lot of times they talk about this during the, uh, the Christmas holidays. You know, a lot of times. But he wasn't born on December 25th. If you do any kind of study, you'll know that it was not cold when he was born because the shepherds had the sheep out in the field. Amen. So I don't messed up somebody already. He wasn't born on the 25th. He wasn't, sorry. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Notice who was born and notice who was given. 
and the government will be upon whose shoulders? I said the government shall be upon whose shoulders? You better understand what government you, you represent. The government shall be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. My Father, thank you for the reading of your word. I ask you to transform my tongue of clay to be the tongue of a ready writer to write on the hearts of this here, your people. Father, I thank you right now that your word will edify and build us up today. Um, and hopefully will challenge others, Father, that to bring conviction to us so that we can change. Without conviction, there would be no change. And God, I thank you that it would lead us to repentance because that is the first work uh, of, of being saved is repenting of our sins. Father, we just ask you today that your hand would, would just touch everyone that are present today and on our digital space, Father God, like never before. Let, let them feel your power. Let it be palpable no matter where they're watching this video or when they watch it. Let your power come through strong by the reading and the preaching of your word. Father, I thank you that you're hiding my flesh behind your cross in Jesus' name. Saints of God said? Amen. Amen. Let me do a little recapitulation from last Sunday. Um, I talked about how names are important and they give you identity, purpose, and authority. Amen. Uh, people draw conclusions about you. When they hear your name, people draw conclusions about you based on hearing your name or the experiences they, that they have had with you. Come on, somebody. Uh, you work with people for a period of time. You can draw certain conclusions about those people. Hello, somebody, right? Come on. Not, not, just, not that you're judging them, but, you know, if they come to work late, then you draw a conclusion that they are always late. Come on, somebody. Am I talking to the right folks this morning? Because come on, talk back to me. I'm not talking about you, am I? Oh, okay, maybe that's why I was so I wouldn't talk about you. I'm just saying, because you are on time and come before time. But if it's a person that's always on time, always willing to go beyond what their job functions and duties and responsibilities are, then you will conclude that that's a hard worker. Right? Amen? Based on their actions. So when peop what people see in you, uh, that, that defines who you truly are. Am I right here? Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. And so this, this is important because if people tell you who they are, you need to start believing it. So you shouldn't have to assume something when you can see the choices and the actions. Okay. So, so we also learn that you are important to God. Come on. Come on. Put your hand on your heart and say, I am important to God. Uh, if you're watching by live stream, just, just point at your family members and say, I am important to God. Point at somebody in this building this morning and say, you are important to God. See, he didn't die for junk. He didn't die for mess. He shed his blood because he needed you to fulfill his plan and his purpose in the earth. You need to understand that, saints of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? Not just on earth, in earth. I want him in my earthen vessel because this is where his treasure is. This is what he wants to use. And he's going to use man to bring about his kingdom. He needs us to do that. He needs us to be in place. That's why he had to kick us off of the cruise ship so that we can get on a battleship so that we can be armed and dangerous and ready to face this giant that we're facing today. See, I don't want to be a part of Saul's army. I don't want to be the ones that's, that's cowering down to man because the giants look so big. I want to have the spirit of David that can come up. He might not be tall like everybody else, but David had a tall God living inside of him. And he said, I'll take him out. 
because I'm not worried about what he's saying with his mouth uh, because I've been basking in the presence of God uh, when nobody was looking. Therefore, I can praise God when everybody is looking. Get your prayer place together while you're private so that when you do get in the public, man, people will understand. They can take note like they did in the book of Acts that they had been with Jesus. Hello, am I talking to the right church this morning? I'm fired up this morning. I'm celebrating because God has shown me something. I got reason to celebrate. Come on, somebody. And you do too, praise the Lord. As I was thinking about this and I began to get, uh, you know, the Lord as he does uh, for all preachers, you know, he'll give us a word, but then that word always turn on us. And as God always does, he, he, you know, he'll give you a word. I said, oh, that's going to be a good word for the church. And he said, no, bruh. See, that's how he talks to me, you know. <laughs> you might not use bruh in your translation of when you talk with him, but he said, no, bruh, this is about you. And I said, oh, okay, Lord, well, well, okay, I'm, I think I'm ready. Because I've learned that when I say, God, okay, I'm ready, I've learned not to say that so quickly. Mm-hmm. I've learned, okay, God, I think I'm ready. So be careful with me. Handle me with care because <laughs> I'm a little sensitive. Come on, somebody. I am. We all sensitive. Hey, man. And so, so just let somebody look at you wrong. You know you're sensitive. So as I was thinking about this, uh, there were some conclusions that I would hope that people would make about me just by watching my life. A couple of things are clearly discovered when you look at my life or hear my name or you look at me and my family. I'm hoping that you will see these things and understand that I'm not a Democrat, that I am not a Republican. I'm a conservative. So I have conservative values based on the word of God. You should know that about me because I don't have a problem telling you. And you should know that about me because I've been preaching on this for over 20 years. So if you spend any time in this church, you should understand that about me. Also, I am against abortion and would never agree or support a party or a person or a government who's not. Amen. You should know that about me. Amen. Why? Not because I want to appease people. I want to make sure I please God. Amen. It has nothing to do with you, actually. And because I don't care about the feelings of people, I can preach the gospel and be okay. Why? Because not every one of y'all, that's what my daddy would have said before he died. And not every one of y'all going to be right there when Jesus is there and he begins to judge me based on how I live my life. Because all I want to hear is, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Now enter there, and now I'm going to make you rule over many. Now enter therein into the joy of the Lord. That's what I want to hear. And I can't hear that if I'm too busy trying to please you. You should know about me that I'm against perverse living, immoral living. That's any lifestyle. It doesn't matter if you're homosexual or heterosexual. Amen. The Bible is clear. It's wrong and it's a sin. Right. And it, since he changes not and his word doesn't change, then I'm just going to stand on his word. Amen. Are you here with me today? Yes. You would understand that no man puts fear in my heart. You would understand that no matter what kind of crisis you're in, you can count on me. I'm going to be right there with you. I'm not going to tuck and run just because things get hard for you. Just because, you know, some things happen and you, you might feel like, oh, I just don't want to show my face because I'm going through. That's the first. That's when you need to show your face. 
Amen. Because you're not going to be judged just because you're going through. We all are going through something. Amen, somebody. Everybody in here going through something. I'm a man of my word. I do what I say and I say. Are you that? That's what I'm saying. This is some things that I, the Lord just began to build, uh, to, to provide for me over the years that I love God and I love his people. Listen, let me tell you how much I love you. I love you so much that I'm willing to take a risk and not have a relationship with you, but I'll tell you the truth. That's how much I love you. I love you too much to lie to you. For almost 14 years, I've been leading this church family and have always stood on the gospel message that Jesus is the only way to the Father. If there's a problem with any of that, you won't do well in this church. He's the only way. Some of these pastors are already showing who they are. They are backslidden and out of the will of God. How you going to call yourself a pastor and you pray to a Hindu God? Or the God with many names. You don't know his name? <laughs> How you going to see? They are showing us who they are. Listen, what did I say? If they show you who they are, you need to believe them. I have no doubt about who they are. Because they're showing us. Open your eyes so you can see. I would rather stand for something and offend many people rather than to fall for anything to appease them. This is where we are, saints of God. We got to stop trying to be uh, religiously nice. Let me put it that way. We need to stand on the principles of God. Sometimes people are not going to like it, but it still won't change God. Right? I know our approach can be changed. I know that. Uh, please, you know, here's some balance in here. I'm not saying having a, a, a horrible disposition. I'm just saying, if you're standing on the solid rock of Christ, you don't have to move. You plant your feet and stand on it and say, okay, but God is still God. You can believe me or not, but the truth don't change because you don't believe it. Right. Hello, somebody. And when you know, you cannot not know. Once I reveal something to you, you can't say, well, I didn't know. Well, no, you knew. You just ignored it. Am I talking to the right church? We're on the battleship, but not on the cruise ship. Now, on the cruise ship, I'll tell you something to make you laugh, but on the battleship, I'm going to tell you something to make you change. Hello, somebody. I, I, okay, all right, all right. Y'all ain't talking much to me this morning. Okay, can I keep on going? The closer and closer it came time for Jesus to reach the crisis of the cross, we discover just how few in number that were really there when he needed them most. See, everybody that's clicked like and following you, those folks ain't following you. So don't measure your importance on likes from social media. You need to measure your importance based on the blood of Jesus that was shed for you over 2,000 years ago because that's the only measure that means anything to me. I care less about how many likes we get and all of other stuff. Man, listen, uh, listen, if you're listening to my word, you need to follow the word, not me. Hello, somebody. I'm not trying to get a reputation. I don't need to do that. God already gave me one. See, see, when I have an audience of one, come on, Marsha would love this. I know she's listening. See, when I have an audience of one, and he's the only one that matters, the rest of the audience don't really matter. That's right. That's right. Amen. <laughs> I heard Debbie over there laughing because the Lord must have been talking to her about that. Amen. <laughs> and so we understand, amen, that 
As a matter of fact, John was the only one out of the 11, because, you know, Judas was already dead at this time. Out of the 11, John was the only one that was at the cross. Wait a minute. Jesus poured everything into people. Come on, one time, listen to this, listen to this. This is what Jesus shared with me one time to put me back in my place. It's because he does it so nice. I'm saying, ooh, Jesus can cut you, but before you can look down and see how you've been slicing and heal you back up, you can't even see a scar. That's how good he, he'll slice and dice. You go, oh, my God, and when you look down, nothing is there. He's a double-edged sword, cut going in and coming out, and then there's no scars because it's the Holy Ghost. And he just said, let me just show you something. He said, John, he said, 5,000, over 5,000 folk left my church in one day. I said, what? <laughs> you know, thinking all in the flesh. But then he took me to the word. And I said, oh, my God, that's right. He said, because the message changed. He said, previously, I was feeling their bellies. See, after I fed their bellies, they didn't want to go forward for me to feed their spirits. And because I had to change the message, because I fed the bellies to get them to the next level, I didn't want them to stay on the cruise ship. I was taking them to the battleship. So I had to change the messaging so they can understand about eating my flesh, my word, and drinking my blood, the restoration of what he's bringing of all things by the cross of Calvary and the atoning power behind the cross. I was trying to take them on a spiritual destiny and a journey with me. And they say, hold on, Jesus. Well, you, the other day you gave us, you gave us food. You gave us some fishes and loaves. What, what, what are you talking about? Eating your flesh and drinking your blood. They said this is a hard teaching. See, it's a hard teaching when you get cut across your little disposition and all your little arrogance and your selfishness. Uh, oh, when the Holy Spirit begins to slice and dice and begin to open you up and fillet you like a fish. Uh, and he begins to expose who you really are. And you've been fronting and you've been hiding and you've been putting on masks and disguises and you've been masquerading like you all that. But God want to open you up to show you you ain't all that at all. You still a little hurt child. See, that's why you get offended by everything. Come on, somebody. I'm not, I'm not talking about you, so relax. <laughs> Just relax. I'm not talking about you. And so me and Elaine, we was having this discussion yesterday. And uh, I made this statement. I said, a crisis does not create fear in people. It only reveals the, it only reveals the fear that's already present. Right. See, fear stimulates disobedience. Fear stimulates disobedience. It's difficult for you to obey God if you're too scared to move out in him. Saints, I'm not teaching you something that I hadn't lived my own self. Because I was allowing fear to keep me from stepping into the things that the Lord wanted me to do. And I was making excuses for why I wouldn't step out. And God says, no, that's nothing but your fear, John. Step out in it and trust me. You don't really trust me, do you? Because if you did, you would step out in it. Am I talking to the right people right now? So, so fear stimulates disobedience. Let me just take you to the book of Hebrews. Let me just give you some scriptures here because I've been talking too much. So let me give you Hebrews chapter 5. You can put this in your notes because i got a lot to share. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 89, it says, uh, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. Though he was a son. A lot of people just, just skirt right on by that. Though he was a son. 
though he was a son. Because he was a son, he had to learn obedience through suffering. And if you are a child of God, you will suffer. If Jesus had to suffer, so do we. Why? Because you're a son of God. Oh, we want to claim that I am a child of God, John chapter 1. Oh, all who believe they are the children of God. Oh, hallelujah. And then suffering coming. Whoa, wait a minute. What's, what's going on here, God? I'm a son. Didn't you know? Didn't you recognize? You call me son. You call me daughter. What's going on here, Father? And he said, yes. It's why I brought it to you. Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. No matter what Jesus suffered, he exhibited the spirit of obedience. Yeah, yeah. Everything we suffer should be ripened into the fruit of obedience. Everything that we suffer, because we have the propensity to think that blessings and suffering are two different things. They are the same thing with God. He blesses you because he loves you. He makes you go through stuff because. With God, it's the same. But yet, we, we compartmentalize it. Oh, God, I got to put my suffering over here, my blessings. And God said, no, they're the same. Because I'm going to use both to, to, to get you where you need to be. Uh, they're kind of quiet, Pam. You might have to hit the keys and warm them up a little bit. Praise the Lord. Is that is that all right, saints? Are you are you hearing this with me? Now listen, I'm not I'm not saying this is something that I haven't had to walk through myself, right? So you get the benefit of him stripping me. Amen. I'm just open, and honest about it, and this is what God does. Peter and other apostles knew suffering all too well. But how did they respond to it? Well, you can go to the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 41. Put it in your notes. Again, I got a lot to share, so I'm going to just give you the scriptures. Acts chapter 5, verse 41 says, So they departed from the presence of the council, because they were in the presence of the council uh, called the Sanhedrin court, right? They were like uh, our modern-day senators. <laughs> oh, God. See, these modern-day senators did not like the fact that Peter and John was using that name. Y'all know the name I'm talking about. It's not Buddha, because there's no power in the name of Buddha. You can call Buddha all day long, ain't nothing gonna happen. Demons laughing at you. You keep calling him. Cut yourself. Go ahead. Cry louder. Maybe Buddha's sleep. Because you're praying to a God who have eyes that cannot see and a mouth that cannot speak and ears that cannot hear. Come on. Come on, somebody. You can, you can pray to Sun Yun Moon. You're not gonna get any answers. There ain't no answers gonna come. Amen. You can go to the well and wall. You can well all day long. You can rock all. You can rock back and forth until your feet just begin to blow up like balloons. And nothing is going to happen. They were being persecuted because of a name. Amen. By the Sanhedrin court. But look at what their, their response was. Want to know what their response was? Let me just read it to you. It's documented. So let me just read the documentation. It said, so they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Do we do that? Oh, we come home, God, I just don't understand why they don't like me at work. And I do everything I can. I want to fit in. I was trying to tell them about Jesus, and then they got mad. 
Jesus is saying, oh, boo-boo, bless your little heart. <laughs> I didn't create you to fit in. I created you to stand out. Come on, somebody. Yeah, you use that name. People are not going to like you much. Why? Because there is power in the name of Jesus. That's why when people say, you know, well, I believe in God, I always ask them, what God? Because, see, the God you believe in might not be my God. I believe in Elohim. Who do you believe in? Amen. Everybody that said they believe in God, they're not Christians. So you might need to qualify these folks and, and ask them. I'm bold about it. What God you talking about? Because I'm talking about the God who answers. Amen, somebody. And so when we do this, the reason he blesses us, saints of God, is to establish his kingdom. Maybe I need to say that one more time. The reason he blesses us so that we can establish his kingdom. Okay, okay. <laughs> maybe I thought I was talking too fast. But let me say that one more time maybe, maybe so you can get it. The reason he blesses us so that we, we, somebody say he's talking about me, can establish his kingdom. Amen. But, but the reason we suffer is so that we can establish his kingdom. It doesn't change, saints of God. See, we got to get this out of our minds that just because we suffer, somehow we've done God wrong. Or maybe you're out of the will of God. Jesus wasn't out of the will, but he learned obedience by the things what? See, this is why we got to understand grace. Grace is not a get out of hell free card. Grace is not there for you to say, well, I'll go ahead and mess up and then I'm going to just go repent because God knows my heart. He knows your wickedness. Because the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it save God? He knows your wickedness. That is not a term of endearment to say, oh, God knows my heart. <laughs> yes, he does. Good Jesus. You better know your heart. Amen. I'll just repent. That's not what you use grace for. It's not a get out of hell free card. Grace is not a license for immorality. Read the book of Jude. It'll teach you that it's not a license for immorality. Amen. Well, if that was true, Jesus never used grace to get out of mess. Because Jesus wasn't in any mess. But he was full of grace and truth. So what did Jesus use grace for? To advance his kingdom. That's what we use it for, to advance the kingdom of God. We don't use grace just to get out of mess, especially when you make a choice to say, I'm going to go ahead and screw up. And God knows my heart. I'm going to just go down to the altar and I'm going to just say, I'm sorry. No, you're not sorry. You're just regretful. Maybe this message will go over well in another place. So can I, can I continue? Okay. <laughs> All right. The Lord said to me, he said, a crisis is nothing but an opportunity to action and show your courage and obedience through faith. See, it was a crisis that led Moses to confront Pharaoh. It was a crisis that led that to him, right? He, he, he didn't just do it. It was a crisis that, that really compelled him to do what he needed to do. It was a crisis that caused God to lead the children of Israel through the wilderness. You do realize that Kardesh Barnea was just right there. Once they crossed the Red Sea, they could see where they needed to go. Because that's what they told Mo Moses. It's right there. It's right there, right there. Wait, hey, hey, Moses. Turn right, man. I can see it's over there. And Moses said, nope, we've got to go this way. <laughs> hey, Aaron, talk to your brother, man. That brother, I don't know what he's leading us. He's like, we're going into the wilderness. But they had been on a cruise ship. And God said, no, 
you slaves, but I'm going to make you servants of the most high. And to be servants of the most high, you got to learn how to fight. It was a crisis. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing this with me? It was a crisis that got, it, that got it Elijah, Elijah to confront the over 800 false prophets at Mount Carmel. It was a crisis, right? It was a crisis of bad leadership in the government. Come on. Ahab and Jezebel was running the place. Come on, somebody. And Elijah came to confront because Jezebel was killing the prophets. Because a Jezebel spirit does not like prophets to speak the truth. That's why you got to open your eyes to see that Jezebel spirit is alive and well right now in America. And it's trying to shut down the prophets. Are you willing to stand by yourself against false prophets? Come on, somebody. It was a crisis that compelled the three Hebrew boys to stand up rather than bowing down. It was a crisis, saints of God. It was a crisis that forced Peter and John to speak the name of Jesus in spite of the Sanhedrin court. And listen, this is what they said. We, are, we would rather obey God than to obey man. Is that your testimony this morning? Amen. You would rather obey God than obey man. Do you really believe Proverbs 18 and 10 that says the name of the Lord is a strong tower where the righteous can run into it and they are safe? You either believe that or you do not. Because the name. Notice it said the name. I've been talking about names. Names give you identity, purpose, and authority. I've been talking about names. They said it, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Just his name alone. This is why you just can't be saying that name and just. You can't be using that name just because somebody pulled off in front of you in traffic. That, that name has a lot of power. You can't just be using that name when you don't need it. You use that name when you need it. Come on, somebody. Because if you keep using that name when you don't need it, it he won't come around when you do. No, you, you, don't, you don't just use that name and just. When people use that name around me, I go, mm. No, that name has power. You use that name when you need it. Hello, somebody. Oh, wicked folks that, work, that you work with, you go, no, you, that's, that, that name don't belong to you. What, what do you mean? No, no, you don't know him like I do. See, I, see, uh, see are you going to be that bold? See, we're supposed to be that bold to say, no, I got a relationship with him. I do know who he is. Do you know him? Do you know, have you repented of your sins? Do, have you received Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about Yeshua, I'm talking about Hamashiach. Have you received him as your Savior and your Messiah? Your Lord and Savior. See, a lot of people want Jesus as their Savior. Oh, I just want to be saved from my sins, but they don't want to give him lordship. That's when he confronts your lifestyle. Oh, <laughs> keep on moving, Pastor, keep moving. Maybe we don't know just what this truly means when it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. So, uh, see, we got a lot of young folks up in here. Y'all might not know what uh, the, the people that are men of Lane's age. You know what I'm getting ready to say here. So I want to say this in my Ricky Ricardo voice. <laughs> let me explain you. <laughs> so since you don't understand, let me explain you. Let me explain you. It means... He is an all-powerful defense in times of peril and will elevate you above surrounding danger. 
the name of the Lord is a strong tower. See, a tower is not on the surface. A tower is up high. And God says, when you run into my name, you, I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to elevate you above the fray of man and above all the wickedness of men and all of your depression and all of your sickness and all of your worry, all of your confusion. And I'm going to lift you up above it all because you ran to my name. That's why you don't use that name in vain. Uh, you got to run to that name sometimes uh, when things are happening in your life and you feel like the enemy is confronting you on all sides uh, and you got a Red Sea in front of you and mountains on the other side and you got Pharaoh coming after you on the backside. Uh, sometimes you're going to have to run into that name uh, so that he can elevate you uh, because when he elevates you, then you have a different vantage point. Uh, then you can see things that you didn't see before. God can allow you to see things prophetically that you never saw before and sometimes he had to elevate us so that we can see and he give us spiritual vision the name of the Lord is a strong tower where the righteous everybody can't run into that name because he don't know everybody See, only the righteous come on, somebody. The Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation uh, and sin is a reproach to any people. You to run into this name, you got to be righteous. You got to have a holy life. Saints, I know, I know it is not comfortable to hear Holy Ghost preaching like we used to, but we got to talk about the Holy Ghost. Uh, we got to talk about righteous living. Uh, we got to talk about God confronting us where we are so that we can live the life that he called us to live. Uh, we got to get off of the cruise boat. So God can confront us so we can walk in the authority that he's given us. Can I continue? John 14 and 13 says this. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. Not only are we protected in his name that the righteous can run into it and we are elevated above the fray of man. God says whatever you ask the Father in my name. Oh, my, are, you, are, you, are you seeing this with me, saints of God? He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified. See, you may not understand that Jesus don't answer your prayers for you. He answers your prayers so that the Father will be glorified. This is not even about you. Oh, I just kicked you right on out of the picture, didn't I? Jesus said, I'm not answering it for you. I answer prayers so that my daddy will be glorified. Come on, somebody. Did you, did you catch that? Sometimes you might need to change your prayer. God, I want you to answer this prayer so daddy be glorified. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want to bring glory to daddy, so go ahead and answer that prayer, Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord, because that's what your word says. Let me give you a term. A lot of us understand it, but I'm going to give you a definition of it. It's called power of attorney. He said, whatever you pray to the Father in my name. What comes to mind when a Greek person heard that was power of attorney. Power of attorney, by definition, is, is a written authorization or a letter to represent or act on another's behalf in private or business affairs or in other legal matters. It is a written authorization or a letter. The written authorization is the word. The signature is the blood. Are you hearing me here? So when you have a will, your will is not active until you die. Until there's the death of the testator, come on. The will is not active. 
Your will right now is not active. You can make changes to it. You can call your lawyer and say, listen, I'm going to take some out. There's some in. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm going to make some changes. But the moment you die, the will becomes active. And guess what? It don't matter how many family members come around. Whatever's in that will is in the will. It don't matter if the culture around you changes. Whatever's in the will is in the will. It doesn't matter if the president changes. Whatever's in the will is in the will. It don't matter how your family starts tripping. Whatever's in the will is in the will. It don't matter if your children start tripping. If your money start acting funny. Or your honey. Whatever's in the will. And since Jesus gave up the ghost and he wrote his name in blood, the will became active. And if it's written in the will, it's mine. And because he wrote me into his will, because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then whatever he says I can have, I can have it. Whatever he says I can be, I can be it. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. That should be your testimony today. Come on and give him a praise in here this morning. That I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Why? It's in the will, baby. I don't have to apologize. Oh, I can't believe how God is blessing you. Oh, yeah, it's in the will. It's in the will. It's in the will. Don't worry about it. I can't believe you're happy and everything all around you is in turmoil. It's in the will. It's in the will. I got everything that I need in the will. I have power of attorney. And even if it's not there, I can use his name to get what I need. Oh, come on, somebody. It's in the will. That's all you have to tell people. Don't worry about it. You don't have to apologize for being blessed. Oh, it's in the will. My daddy left me something. My daddy left me something. You don't understand. My daddy left me something. And see, I don't have to apologize for it because daddy left it because he loves me. Come on, somebody. He loves you so much he left you something. Hello, hello, hello. This is your inheritance, saints of God. God is not interested in saving America. He's interested in saving his inheritance. You better know what God is coming back for. He's coming back for his people. That's not just in America. His people are all around the world. It's not just for Israel. It's for us too. Come on. Israel can be engrafted back into the olive branch. All they have to do is repent. But just because we are in the olive branch, that don't mean we, we can pump ourselves up like we arrived. You didn't get yourself there. Amen. I don't want to come across as the angry godfather, I'm telling you. you know, I am excited about this. Amen. See, the written authorization is the word. He signed it and sealed it by his blood. And it came into effect when he gave up the ghost on the cross. And then something happened. He transferred something to us. My God, can I give you scripture on it? Okay, just, just, just turn with me to John chapter 1. I want to give you some scripture on this because you got to understand when Jesus died on the cross, he gave us something. He left us something, saints of God. It's almost as if you remember um, when Elijah was going to be taken up. Come on, somebody. And Elisha crossed some rivers with him. Oh, my God. See, see don't ask of something from a mentor if you're not willing to cross some rivers with him. And see, he crossed rivers with the man of God. And he asked him, what do you want? He said, a double portion. <laughs> he said, I want a double portion. If you study it out, Elijah completed seven miracles. Elisha completed 14 miracles. The last miracle, it was with a dead man. They threw a dead man in the grave of Elisha. 
and the dead man came alive. He wasn't even alive. And a, ooh, see, I call that a bone-soaked anointing. That the anointing soaked all the way down to his bones. And when the dead man touched the bones of Elijah, he, what y'all doing? <laughs> See, I just saw that for real. See, that's why I told you guys I'm dysfunctional because when I say stuff, I see pictures, I see images, and I just saw him pop up out of that grave and the people that threw him in there was running. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what people do when they see miracles. They run from it because they don't know how to take it because they've been living so long in human reasoning, they don't understand a faithful God. Hello, somebody. John 1, are you there? Can I give you something? Let me give you a little nugget that you want. John 1, 12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right. The same word, authority, liberty, and jurisdiction. Come on, the right. The right, the liberty, the authority, the, the jurisdiction. It's the Greek word. Some people say exousia, but if you listen to the real understanding of it, it's exousia. So it's, it's, it's that authority that he's giving us. Listen, he said, I'm giving you that authority to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So God says, I'm giving you authority. In other words, saints, let's go back. He's giving you power of attorney. He's telling you, I already gave you the documents. And I've given you the authority in my name, and I signed it in blood. And then I transfer it over to my vessels, because as long as you stay in me, you got my authority, you got my right, you got my jurisdiction, you got my liberty. Why? Because I gave it to you, saints of God. So stop acting like you don't have any authority. Stop letting the devil punk you out. Stop coming to church all bowled over like you, don't, you serve a broke-down God. Amen, anyway, this stuff is good. Real good, ain't it? It's real good stuff, man. Walking up in here with my head all down like I got a busted, broke God. No, we serve Elohim. El Shaddai, come on, somebody. He's the Lord God Almighty. I'm going to come up in here like my, like my God gave me a will. He gave me an inheritance. Listen, I, I can't, you can't blame God just because you want to live on half of your inheritance. You need to understand what's in your heavenly bank account. See, a lot of us walk around like we got $5 and you never looked into your heavenly bank account to see you got $5 million. You better look in your, you better, you better see what your inheritance is. It's in the will, it's in the will. That's why you can't have nobody else reading the will for you. They ain't gonna lie to you. Oh, see, it would be like, let me go ahead and get good in North Carolina on you. And see, it would be like, right, your rich uncle, you know your uncle was rich. Right? Yeah, and you did, you, you cooked for him, you cut the grass, you did all kinds of stuff at the house. You just knew when that brother died, you're going to have something. Amen. You just knew. You just knew, right? You just, it, it, was, it was just favor. Come on, somebody. You, you had dreams about it. You would wake up in the night sweats and uh, already know that your uncle had already passed. And you just knew, right? And so it came time, and he passed away, praise the Lord. And the lawyer said, listen, listen, you got to come to my office so I can read the will. So you show up at the office, 50 people in the office, and you're looking around, who are these people? Because you've been in the house, you've been cutting the grass, you've been taking them to the hospital, 
You've been doing all kinds of stuff. Phone had rang. And you're looking around like, who, who are these people? What are y'all here for to listen to what's in the wheel? You hadn't shown up. You weren't obedient. But yet when the wheel is red, you think you got something. All of a sudden, you want something. I don't even think I need to go on. Y'all sure I need to go on with that? I think we paint a good picture here, right? So here's the deal. Because your uncle knew you, it don't matter who show up for the reading. See, it don't matter that you show up for church or you show up on live stream just for the reading of the will. If he don't know you, you won't be in the will, baby. That bald-headed joker preaching over there in the trail. I'm in the wheel. I don't have to apologize because I've been obedient, doing the things that I need to do, allowing God to strip me of my selfishness, my arrogance. Come on, somebody. See, see, when you've been in the presence of God privately, then you can also show who he is publicly. And see, if you hadn't been in with him privately, before long your public life will be exposed. Amen, somebody. So you, you got to be with him privately, saints of God. This is, this, you got to be secretly holy, privately devout. Nobody but you and him seeking an audience with him. Even if he don't speak, God, I'm still here. God, I'm looking for no goosebumps. I just want you. See, when you've been in that secret place, if when you're in that tower, see, once you come down out of that tower, you walk differently because you've heard the master. See, when you know where you are in the wheel and what God has for you, you've heard the master. So anytime the devil start yow yowing at you and saying, you know what, let me just take you back to your past. Uh-uh, I read the wheel. I read the wheel. See, sometimes when the devil tries to remind you of your past, you, he, you need to remind him of his future. Uh, bruh, you do know about that lake. Or <laughs> uh, maybe you don't know. Oh, did I just inform you of something? Did I just prophesy to you that you know there's a lake? <laughs> Amen, somebody. Just remind that rascal, man. When it comes to names, do we really know Yeshua? Do we really know Jesus? Do we really receive him as our Hamashiach, his our Messiah, he's my Lord. I submit to him everything, my mind, my body, my money, my marriage, my everybody I submit unto you, Jesus. That's lordship. That's the place a lot of people miss it because they just want the savior part. Yeah, I want to I be counted. I just don't want to do much. <laughs> Pastor, don't ask me to do nothing. No, I'm in, I'm in the number. I'm good. <laughs> I'm not talking about you, see? So y'all relax. Relax. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just saying in general. Can I give you another scripture? Let me take you to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to just take you there. Let me paraphrase for the sake of time. Matthew chapter 16. After Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he took his disciples through a very poignant and heart-wrenching question and answer and interrogation. See, when you read the scriptures, Jesus will take you through an interrogation. 
See, I, 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 uh, I have learned his technique. <laughs> so Jesus will ask you about what people think first. But then he's going to bring it right back home. Amen. Amen, somebody. So Jesus did this. He said, listen, guys, who do people say that the Son of Man am? Who, who, who did, oh, Jesus. Oh, they say you, that prophet, you, John Baptist. Well, I don't even know how they can say he was John the Baptist because John the Baptist baptized him. How could he be John the Baptist? And he got baptized by John the Baptist. Not that John was a Baptist. It's just that he was John the Baptist. <laughs> was that too much? Okay, let me pull back. I ain't lying. I just went out there on a tangent. I thought I was Jesse Jackson for a second. So, so he said, who do people say that I am? And then after they gave all these crazy answers, then he said, well, listen, listen, listen. Who do you say that I am? So he brought it back home because it's not important who people say he is. Because if you don't know who he is, you won't be able to lead people to him. Can I continue? You sure? So in other words, he took them from thinking publicly to thinking personally. Let me say that again. He took them from thinking publicly to thinking personally. Uh, uh, you got that? So if you don't understand who he is personally, you will misrepresent him publicly. See, it's not about what we do on live stream in front of cameras and people. That's, that's not it. It's who we are when nobody's looking, when the cameras are off. See, it's, it's a word called character. See, because there are a lot of people today that are in power that have no character, God is going to strip them down. They, there's no integrity. Come on, somebody. And God is going to strip it down. Come on. That's why you got to have people in the pulpit with character. You better stop looking for an anointing and start looking for some character. Looking for some integrity. Oh, I just, whoa, he is so anointed, but mean as a snake. That's why I watch people, I, especially pastors, I watch how they treat their wives. Because I can tell how they treat their woman. I'm like, no, nah, I ain't following that, brother. If you can't treat your true church right, then how are you going to treat his church right? Because remember, you're not my church. <laughs> you're his church. Hello! somebody. That's why he gave me my church. Right? I'm her protector. I'm her anchor. See, I represent the father in this relationship. The father is the anchor. He's the sustainer. Hello, somebody. That's what I provide for my family. I'm the anchor and the sustainer of my family. Amen? And that doesn't mean you make the most money either. Because you can be the anchor and the sustainer and make less money than your wife. See, you know what that is? That's selfishness. Pride. Go ahead, baby. That was, that was many years she was making more money than me. I ain't care. It was in the same account. I was like, go out there and get that money, girl. <laughs> I ain't care. I'm like, shoot, boo. You go make that money. Give me a kiss. Get on out there and make some money. Get on out <laughs> Shoot, man. Didn't I, boo? I was like, man, that ain't bother me one iota. I didn't care, baby. Go make them dollars. Bring them dollars home, girl. See, I done got all in the flesh now, see I'm <laughs> Praise the Lord. Go make them dollars. And now she's telling me, boy, you better get on out there and make that money, boy. You got to make them dollars and bring them home to mama. 
It's funny how things switch. Now I make the most money, and she's like, whoa, yeah, get on out. You want some breakfast? Let me kiss you. Get on out there and make that money. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> if you can't laugh at church, you ain't saved. I'm just saying, there's something wrong with you. You ain't saved if you don't have the joy of the Lord. Amen. Can I get back to this book? <laughs> See, when he asked them that question, let's go right back to the scriptures. Simon Peter finally gets one right. Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus was so excited that he said, Peter, who told you? If you look at the scripture carefully, he said, Peter, wait a minute. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee. So in other words, Peter got a revelation that didn't come from Jesus, but it came straight from the father. Oh, my God. And see, that's why what happened was the father took Peter from his humanity so that Peter could see Jesus' divinity. So he said, who? Flesh and blood didn't tell you this, Peter, but my father, which is in heaven. That's why Jesus was so excited. that Oh, now you got a revelation. <laughs> he got one right. That's what we have to go past is his humanity to see his divinity. Right? You won't get that without a revelation. The people perish for the lack of a revelation. You perish for the lack. When you stay dumb, you perish. Ignorance is not bliss. It will kill you. If you refuse to do your research, especially today, you better do your research before you make choices and decisions because it will kill you. It will affect you and your family one way or another. Amen? The German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, Jesus himself did not try to convert the two thieves on the cross. He waited until one of them turned to him. Saints, we got to turn to him. He said, draw nigh, and I'll draw nigh unto you. Notice the, the father didn't run to the son until the son came to himself to run back home. See, a lot of us are saying, Jesus, Jesus coming. Jesus saying, no, you hadn't moved yet. See, when you draw nigh to me, I promise you, I'll draw nigh to you. But if you want me to come to you without you doing anything, you, you sadly mistaken. See, one thief cried out to him. Another thief reviled against him. How is it that one person can cry out and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Let me be with you in paradise. And the other one said, oh, if you, son of God, get yourself down and us. He said, and us. So it's all about him. It wasn't about Christ. Because there was three crosses on Golgotha's hill. There was a cross of redemption. That's Jesus. There was a cross of rebellion. That's one of the thieves. And there was a cross of repentance. What cross are you on? Because you can't be on the cross of redemption because you're not worthy. Jesus is not on the cross. We are. We are the one that should be crucified. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
See, when you live a crucified life, you're already dead. Dead men don't complain. I never heard a dead man complain about anything. And we're supposed to be dead in Christ because now our lives are hidden in him. Amen, somebody? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805 West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079, or on the web, c3churchnc.org, or on facebook.com forward slash c3indiantrailnc.org.